0: I like spinach, I like kale, I like can of greens too. I like
1: string beans and collard greens, and uh, Brussels sprouts will do. Welcome to Dr. Yum's Dish. I'm Dr. Namali Fernando, also known as Dr. Yum, and I am a pediatrician and one of the founders of the Dr. Yum Project, a nonprofit organization in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to help families make the connection between food and health. And on this show, we hope to talk to interesting guests who really believe and understand the power of that connection. Melanie Potok is a speech language pathologist who is specialized in pediatric feeding. She is an international expert on the topic of feeding babies, toddlers, and school aged kids. She is the co-author of the award-winning book Raising a Healthy Happy Eater and Baby Self Feeding. The tips in her latest book, Adventures in Veggie Land, Help Your Kids Learn to Love Vegetables with 100 Easy Activities and Recipes, are based on the latest research and Melanie's 20 years of success as a pediatric feeding therapist. Melanie's advice has been shared in a variety of television and print media, including the New York Times, CNN.com, Huffington Post, and Parents Magazine. Her website, MelaniePotuck.com, is a wealth of information about feeding kids. I have been fortunate enough to be the co-author with Melanie on one of her books, and I've collaborated with her on many projects. She's a dear friend of mine who has taught me so many things about pediatric feeding, and she's also donated much of her time to the Dr. Yum Project's missions and programs. Dr. Yum Project board member Heidi Eugenio and I will be talking with Melanie today about ways you can help your picky eaters enjoy healthy foods, and I am really looking forward to this discussion. Thank you, Melanie, for being here. This is going to be a fun conversation. So um, we are going to be talking at some point about three expert tips to helping your picky eater. And we have um, one of the great experts on feeding kids here with us. So let's get to it. (laughs) How are you doing there, (laughs) Melanie? I'm doing great. This is so fun to chat with you guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah, we have a lot of... um, things to be excited about, but one of them is your new book, Adventures in Veggie Land. So I definitely want to talk about that and um, learn about how that's going and how you came up with all of those great recipes and ideas. For those of you who um, haven't seen Adventures in Veggie Land, it is just wonderful, um, beautiful, colorful. Tell us how you got the inspiration for writing it. True story. I got the
2: inspiration after writing Raising a Healthy Happy Eater with you.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. You were I... in the mood to write another book.
2: We wrote Raising a Healthy Happy Eater together and which is is basically the what I always say is the developmental process known as feeding. It's how kids learn to be healthy, happy, joyful eaters. And after that book launched and we started doing television appearances and book signings and all of that fun stuff, I started thinking about it. And I just thought, you know, I am so proud of this book. I think maybe the next step is to create a cookbook that teaches families how to help their children learn to love vegetables.
0: Vegetables, (laughs) and that's the thing. Such a hot
2: button.
1: And learn to love
0: them, not hide them.
1: Not hide them. Right. Learn to love them, not hide them. Embrace them. Yeah. Embrace them. And so for those of you listening, Melanie spends her days working with families who have children who are struggling with feeding. And so tell us what, what that's like and how maybe that led you to your choice to embrace vegetables in a book.
2: Yeah, thanks.
1: Um, well, I'm a
2: certified speech-language pathologist and I specialize in pediatric feeding. So what that means is that I get to work with kids who are either non-oral eaters, maybe they have two feedings, that sort of thing, all the way up to just what we affectionately call a garden variety picky eater. And that's because learning to eat really is a spectrum of development. But what was interesting to me is no matter who I'm working with, when I talk to the parents, I say, tell me what you're hoping your kid will learn to eat. They always say vegetables 100% of the time. Yeah, And, you know, I... I'm, I hear them. I write it down. I say, okay, tell me the, the vegetables that your family loves to eat because it's really important that we start with the vegetables that this child is exposed to, that he sees you prepping in the kitchen, that he smells the aroma as it's in the wok, et cetera, um, that he can help you shop for. What are your favorite vegetables? And sometimes, There are no favorite vegetables. Sometimes the parents say, well, I don't eat vegetables at all. And that's why I want my kid to learn to eat them. (laughs) So that's a bigger challenge. But a lot of times, you know, they they can name off their three or four favorite vegetables that are sort of their go-to. And those are the ones we start with in terms of exposure. That's really the game changer, is really focusing on exposure at first. And again, it just, it doesn't matter whether the kid hasn't learned to bite and chew yet, or whether they eat. 30 foods, but none of them are vegetables, we're always going to start with fun ways to make friends with vegetables. And it starts with exposure.
1: Why are vegetables so hard for kids? What is it about vegetables? Because, you know, I, I see the same thing. Kids that um, start out being pretty good at almost all the foods you expose them to, and then they sort of drop the vegetables. They may hang on to fruit. Yeah. But vegetables are always a tough one. Why do you think that is? There's a couple different
2: reasons. Um, We talked a little bit in Raising a Healthy Happy Eater about the terrific twos, about how kids (laughs) Not terrible,
1: terrific. uh, Terrific. Mm. Right.
2: About how kids really move through a stage of development where they start to slow down in terms of their caloric needs. And they start to also understand that they're a very separate person, a separate brain than mom and dad and the rest of the family members. And that what they do actually influences the other people in the household <laughs> or what they do. Right? Wow, is that powerful. So the moment that they start to figure that out, or it's a little bit of a process, uh, they start to say no a yeah. lot. So now they don't need as many calories. Their growth curve is starting to bend. It's, it's not in that straight-up trajectory like it was in the first year. And they say no. And now because of that, we start to parent them a little tiny bit differently yeah. unless we know what to expect. So they'll start to say no to a lot of things. But if there's something that the parents are focused on, and very often it's vegetables because we know how healthy they are, they overemphasize the fact in their mind that, oh, he doesn't eat any vegetables. The other reason why vegetables are hard is because they're hard. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We often offer raw vegetables Mm -hmm. to kids. And for a lot of children they can be really challenging to learn to chew, bite, and swallow. One of the hardest vegetables for young kids to learn to eat, believe it or not, are baby carrots. Mm. And especially if they're not fresh out of that little Ziploc bag that we get at the grocery store where there's still a little bit of water at the bottom of that bag when you first buy it. As they start to dry out, the more you crunch on those, the more you get those sort of little shards of carrot down in the the gum line uh, right underneath your teeth. And many kids don't know how to manipulate their tongue and their jaw and their lips in such a way to get those out. So they're often putting their fingers in their mouth and trying to clean out that area. And it They sometimes will start to spit out the carrots and they can't quite figure out what to do. That's why we often pair traditionally carrots with ranch dressing because ranch dressing gives the carrot that slip factor where it just adds a little extra moisture and they can propel it back. So one of the things we talk about in Raising a Healthy Happy Eater, one of the easiest tips is that as soon as you sense that maybe your child's having trouble or even before then, don't offer them a raw carrot, even if you've sliced it into a safe piece for kids under three because they can be quite chokable. but offer them instead a blanched carrot. So all you're going to do is grab a handful of baby carrots, try to pick ones that are sort of the same size toss them into some boiling water, let them cook for one or two minutes. And as soon as they are barely fork tender, barely, scoop them out, throw them in an ice bath and stop that cooking. What you'll end up with is a nice crisp carrot that has a little extra moisture that kids can manage better in their mouth. So blanching is a great tip. When you start to introduce a new vegetable, you can do it with any veggie, um, or when you sense that that kid is maybe backing off of that vegetable. Right. It's just a subtle way to present it in an easier manner so that it's not so hard to eat.
1: Yeah. And, you know, back to the parenting too, you know, sometimes we parent in a reactive way, Mm -hmm. right? So they're Mm -hmm. not eating the broccoli. So maybe they'll eat... Um, a few fish crackers Yeah Right And and then they're realizing If they say no to the broccoli They'll get something That's maybe easier More comfortable Yeah More palatable To eat And so then Why not say no to the broccoli Right Because right. usually
2: something else Shows up if you
1: say right. no to the broccoli Right
2: Yeah That's such a good point So that's point. where that
1: Like parenting interaction I think mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If parents kind of learn that They can turn that around Yeah Right Right I love, you had a patient with the cucumbers. Oh, yeah. Remember, it was the treat. That's right. So I had a patient who, um, you know, we talked about that, that growth curve bends. And yeah. usually two-year-olds, they're just not as hungry. Like food right. doesn't turn them on as much. They're just playing and having a good time, learning to talk yeah. and all these things, yeah. learning to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but this two-year-old that I met um, was a new patient, and this kid ate everything. Cucumbers, carrots, tomatoes, like all of it, and didn't really seem to have that regression where they weren't excited about food. So I was, I was kind of fascinated. And I asked the mom, like, how did you do this? How did you accomplish this with, um, with your two-year-old, and she said, "Well, I just kind of told him if you're really good, I'll give you a cucumber." <laughs> <laughs> it was like food rewards done right. <laughs>
2: that is good marketing, right there. I know. That's I know.
1: Fantastic. I mean, it's the same thing as you know, giving a food a fun name. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if it's
2: it's all in the branding.
1: It's in the branding, <laughs> right? I mean, there's studies even that show if you put a character on a bag of baby carrots that kids are more likely to want them, you yeah. know, a cartoon character a your yeah. character. Yeah. So it's all in how we sell it.
0: One of the things that I found so interesting when I first met you, Melanie, was talking about or having you t- talk about the developmental process of, of eating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... it's it, it was mind blowing to think about the fact that that is something that is developmental and that there are kids that are uh, maybe a little bit early born a little bit earlier, have other developmental disabilities, that actually, right. that's one of the last things to develop, right, is the, um, the swallowing and the, the mechanism. And there. it's a
2: really complicated process to learn to bite, chew, and swallow. And many kids, um, not uncommon at all for kids to get stalled in that stage of development. But what we tend to assign to it is, ah, he's a little picky. And that's the advantage of having a speech-language pathologist or an occupational therapist who specializes in the developmental process of feeding they are not going to be the same professional as say our wonderful registered dietitians who definitely can help with picky eating but their scope of practice is really focused on nutrition and meal times and um, that relationship with food and we overlap a little bit with them but where our specialty is is pinpointing any sort of motor challenge or physiological issue or even a a parenting issue a learned behavior stemming from one of those that's getting in the way that's creating a roadblock that has that kid fenced off from adventurous eating. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone into work with a child and for years they just thought the kid was picky and it turned out the kid had a significant tongue tie or had severe gastroesophageal reflux disease, but just was always sort of walking around in a little bit of pain and just thought that's the way life was and was sort of just used to it. The way you and I can walk around all day, frankly, with a headache and still get our work done if we had right, to. Right. And it just took a little bit of detective work to figure out that this isn't just picky. There's a medical reason why this child is protecting their body and why he can't progress to other foods. But even once we resolve that medical issue, then we still have still have to work with the families and the parents, et cetera, and the child to think about themselves differently. Mm, The retraining. Retraining, yeah. Yeah. And the anxiety that's
0: built from that, and there's the other thing we were talking about the other day, is Mm -hmm. just the anxiety that can really easily manifest itself around mealtime and foods. So easy, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, at some point, we're going to get to these three tips, expert tips on (laughs) eating. But before we do that, you know, I'm sure there are listeners who are wondering, you know, I've got a picky eater at home. Maybe I need some extra help. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe I need an expert like you. So, you know, how do you know if you need extra help Um, and that it's not just a phase that will go away? Right. Well, a couple things.
2: If you have a copy of Raising Healthy App Eater, we have a whole chapter that you can look through and take a look at your child's age and determine, gosh, here are the red flags. Maybe I should talk to my pediatrician. The other thing is talk to your pediatrician. Because right. you're a pediatrician and you really steer this ship. Uh, many pediatricians may not hear you at first, not because they aren't awesome at what they do, but because you really do have to stress that this is stressful. You have to stress that it's stressful. Right. You can't just go in and say, i oh, it's pretty picky you know, I'm kind of wondering what I should do because they're going to respond with some general tips and rightly so. But if you say, this is really stressing me out, I think it's also changing my relationship with my child because feeding really is a relationship based activity. It's very social. It's about nurturing. It's about love. It's about caring for your child. When you phrase it that way, those wonderful pediatricians are going to say, let's get an assessment. Let's let's figure out what's going on. And they're probably going to refer your child and you to either an OT or a speech pathologist, but it has to be a professional who specializes in pediatric feeding because not all SLPs or OTs do. It's um, definitely something that we take extra training to do. And then if you do go in for that assessment, they may be able to just give you a few tips and you're on your way. They may see something and say, this really requires weekly treatment to help your child. I am so glad that you came in to see me because you would have just stayed stalled. Good job, mom and dad. Um, And then finally, You can also go through your local school district. Our nation has a program called Birth to Three, where children from birth to age three can get free to low cost services through your local school district. They do have to have a fairly significant delay to get that support, but I highly recommend that you still do that because that assessment is most often in most states free and it's a start. And even if they suggest some other options for you, it's a start. Right. So don't just wait for the kids to grow out of it. I think that's the biggest mistake that families make. Worst case, if you'd have the assessment and the child just needs a few tips, you're going to feel so much better.
1: Right. Right. That you addressed it. That you addressed it. That maybe things aren't as bad as you thought. Right. That you have a little toolbox now of things you you can yeah, work on. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, with pediatrics, early intervention is everything. Yeah. So if you have a chance to intervene early, and I love what you said about really speaking up, because I can say as a pediatrician, people. one of the most common things is I have a picky eater. And so... Unless we really get into the weeds, it's hard really to know what's just the picky eater kind of going to grow out of it with a few tips versus someone who really could use that extra help from someone like you. Right. So to really advocate, to speak up, to, you know, get into the details about how this is stressful and how it's impacting you, how it might be creating a ripple of change in your family that's not necessarily healthy. That's key. Yeah.
2: That's key right there. Every pediatrician is going to listen to that and um and be there to help so yeah.
1: absolutely um so back to veggie land which i love um what i love about veggie land is how much Um, how visual it is, and how creative it is. I mean, you're going to find foods in Adventures in Veggie Land, which is Melanie's new book, um, that you've probably never seen before. And there's (laughs) so much interaction with food. So um, tell us, why is it so important to play with food or or to interact with food? Like, What is that about? Yeah, well, that's our first tip. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I always
2: say, follow the three E's, expose, explore, expand. And what Adventures in Veggie Land does is it takes you from fun to yum. The idea being that you start with food exposure, and that might be as, you know, following the, I, that I, I affectionately call the Church of Dr. Yum, <laughs> which is um, gardening, grocery shopping with your kids, farmer's market, just, gosh, lots of chances, chances to make friends with, any new food but especially vegetables and um, which is our topic today and exposure can also mean food play and I'm not saying it has to be super messy or we're gonna waste food in any way what I tried to do in Adventures in Veggie Land is every single vegetable there are 20 in all arranged according to season every single vegetable starts with food play or a food activity so for example if you open up the book and you want to start with asparagus because that's what's in season I, ideally we want to use fresh but we don't have to um, then we're going to pick up because it's that time of the year inexpensive asparagus it's fresh it's going to be at a good price and the first activity is to wash out a milk carton and um, coat it with help with your kid coat it with cream cheese wash off your asparagus snap off the ends and build an asparagus log cabin on the milk box. And there's lots of tips in veggie land where you can use little pieces of carrot, carrot coins, I call them to make a walkway up to the house or so um, use <laughs> seeds and beans and other things to make cobblestones or um, bricks up the chimney, whatever you'd like to do. Just let your creativity go crazy. But the point here is I Love asparagus. That's the message you're helping that child hear and and develop and learn and become a part of. I love asparagus. That's what that kid's thinking right now. And he hasn't even put asparagus in his mouth. Right. It's not unusual during that first E though, for as the kids are playing for them to start munching on the asparagus. But even if they don't, you can either put that asparagus house in the fridge and bring it out as the centerpiece for dinner that night, you can do whatever you want, or you can take it all apart, wash off the asparagus and use it for the next recipe.
1: Right. Right. Do you have a favorite recipe in uh, Adventures in Veggie Land?
2: All of my favorites, I have 20 favorite recipes, <laughs> and it's because I have a sweet tooth, and those are the veggie desserts. Every mm. single vegetable ends with a veggie dessert. So there are five activities or recipes per, per vegetable. For example, this is going to make everyone listening cringe. With asparagus, you start out with the asparagus log cabin, and then you progress to a really simple asparagus, um, raw asparagus salad. And there's another baked asparagus recipe that has bacon around it. You know, it's not a vegetarian cookbook. There's a little bit of bacon in there, you know. <laughs> bacon. right? And, <laughs> but, um, as you taught me, Dr. Yum, the bacon, the meat, uh, that sort of thing, it's more of a condiment right. with the vegetables mm-hmm. right. to enhance the flavors. And then finally the dessert itself, and here's where everyone's going to cringe is chocolate fondue with asparagus blended in, asparagus puree. Now, that just sounds horrible.
1: (laughs) It kind of does. But
2: here's the deal. It's not about hiding asparagus puree in a bowl full of chocolate. What it's about is teaching a child how to make chocolate fondue. How many people listening right now have a child who knows how to make chocolate fondue? Probably not too many, to be sure, honest with you. Sure. They don't know that we don't always put asparagus puree in chocolate fondue. <laughs> they have no idea, you know? So you, by this point, you've done the asparagus log cabin. Over the next couple of weeks, you've done a couple of different asparagus recipes, or maybe, heck, you just jump right to the chocolate, which is sort of the way I roll. So you jump <laughs> right to the chocolate And you puree up your steamed asparagus. It's not very much, but it's enough that the child's interacting with asparagus. And you stir that little bit of puree into a lovely chocolate fondue. And the kid knows asparagus is in chocolate fondue. And they're dipping away and they're having a great time. You can even take some raw asparagus and dip it in there if you wanted to. Um, But the point is, oh, there's that asparagus again. I really like asparagus. Yeah. That's what we're creating.
1: I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, you've opened my mind a little bit. Asparagus and fondue—it's a little different for me, but you know, we've got to be open, right? And we've got a model being open with our children as well. So, so we talked about—you know—I want to make sure that we get to these three tips Mm -hmm. because we've got an expert here, so we might as well get it straight from the expert. So, your first tip you said was expose, expose, and these are tips for parents who might have a picky eater just knowing how to help turn them around. So, right. so playing with food, what are your other tips? The next one would be explore. So you're going to explore that food
2: very through very simple recipes. And one of my favorite ways to do that is to go on dryum.org
0: and take a look at the
2: meal And this isn't just a shameless plug. I use that in feeding therapy with kids all the time. They love to create their own recipes. And if we're, cooking with asparagus that day, we're going to click on asparagus and we're going to see what other recipes we could use to incorporate asparagus or look in veggie land, et cetera. Um, So there are a lot of different ways to continue to explore asparagus. And I always recommend just starting with very simple recipes at first. And don't forget to deconstruct the recipe as well. So for example. If you were going to do a veggie taco and it included some blanched asparagus, maybe some bell peppers and perhaps some, um, lovely hard white cheese of some sort, maybe a lovely Mexican cheese. Well, in that case, you want to also take those ingredients and have them separated on your child's plate couple pieces of chopped up asparagus, a couple pieces of chopped up pepper, a little bit of that cheese, and then then have and a little bit of the tortilla, and then also have a fully built taco as well. And nice. here's a tip. Roll up that taco nice and tight, like it's a burrito. Stick it in a little tiny coffee cup or an espresso cup and it will stand up on the plate. So now your kid can hold on to the coffee cup itself and bring up the burrito to their mouth or the taco and just nibble on it that way. Especially for my kids who have gross motor or fine motor challenges, any way I can set them up for success so that they continue to explore the food is always, always key.
1: I love that tip.
2: Okay, third tip. Third tip would be, well, of course, we've got the three E's. So we said expose, explore, and finally expand. Once you've done a lot of exposure, a lot of exploration, you're going to know when that child's ready to expand to a little bit more complicated recipe or different types of that vegetable. So we're on asparagus right now. So it might be steamed asparagus. It might be asparagus soup. It might be asparagus puree in chocolate, but as long as they're in the kitchen helping you prep or they're helping you cook or they're helping to serve, they know there's asparagus again. Yeah. And it really takes a lot of time, a lot, a lot of, time. of time. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Yeah. And
0: I like these tips, too, because it's not, you know, when you hear a kid has to be exposed, you know, 30 times, you know, the, the thought is you have to give them a piece of asparagus 30 Every times. Every day. Right. <laughs> and, and just ingest asparagus by itself, eat it. And yeah. this is such a great kind of eye-opening different way of looking
2: at it. Well, I also want parents to think about when they're helping kids learn to love vegetables. I want you to think about it like a play date. The first time you have a new friend over for a play date, they're getting to know each other mm. and you know, things go pretty well. It almost always does with kids. They say, when can we do that again? Well, if you invited that same friend over and they sat down and they played Monopoly again And you invited them back the next day and they played Monopoly again. After a while, A, you wouldn't like Monopoly and B, you wouldn't really be that keen on that friend. You can't keep offering foods in the exact same way. Right. Yeah. You've got to be willing to change it up. How often? As often as we do naturally. So, you know, I like leftovers the next day, but I don't like them the third day. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, just follow the flow that you would naturally with your family and just never, never give up.
1: I love that. I love that. What a fun conversation. I'm one of hopefully many we will have. I mean, we, we talk all the time, but hopefully <laughs> we can get you on the podcast again and, uh, and talk about picky eaters and how to help them or, um, whatever it is that the listeners want to hear. So, um, don't be afraid to send us kind of your topics Absolutely. on our Facebook page that you'd love to hear about. And um thanks so much for joining us, Melanie. It was so fun. You're welcome. Thanks, this has been
2: really, really fun. I hope all of your followers will follow me on social media. Yes. And be sure to go to com because there is this amazing pediatrician on that website that I happen to know. Her name is Dr. Yum. (laughs) And she teaches a five-hour course with me on my website called the Picky Picky Eater Eater Video Course. Course. Course.
1: That's right. That's right. And
2: I can give you a discount code.
1: I love that. That would be fantastic. That is a great resource, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, We put a lot of thought into all the different stages where pickiness might show up Um, and we have a lot of different, a lot of information and a lot of really practical tools. Melanie has taught me so much as a pediatrician. I use her little tips and tricks all the time and it's made such a difference for my patients. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks to Mary Washington Healthcare for their generous financial support of this podcast. Thanks also to Gay Balola for her musical contributions. This has been Dr. Yum's Dish. Check out our website at dryum.org and search Dr. Yum to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest.
0: That cabbage, oh, she's a cutie, He's roll around and have such fun. Lettuce has pretty ruffles But they're not number one Give me some broccoli Give it to me please Give me some broccoli That's a water That's what I said with that cute little pushy head.